0: Then again, maybe not. <laughs> you know, pastors always said it. If you want to get into the sound system, it's got to be of the devil. I'm telling you, computers and... All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. Luke chapter 14. New Year's Day has come and gone and 2020 is upon us and with the new year, as many of us can probably attest to, come New Year's resolutions. Um, I-, I think New Year's resolutions were invented to basically break us. <laughs> um, most of us at some point in our lives have made a resolution or maybe multiple resolutions only to find out five or six days later, well, no, this is not going to work. Um, I was looking up some stuff, it was actually kind of funny, of, of most things, or top ten New Year's resolutions that people make, uh, at the top of the list, shockingly, is lose weight. Um, after Thanksgiving and Christmas of this year, I can attest that's a good New Year's resolution to have. Um, getting organized, spending less and saving more. Good luck with that. We live in New Jersey. Enjoying life to the fullest, staying fit and healthy. And other things, Stay, spending more time with family, and there are others as well. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a good thing to make a commitment or a resolution. Unfortunately, one of the statistics I read, they said that only 8% of people that make resolutions actually keep them. 8%. And I considered this for a minute and I thought to myself, well, how about in our life? How about as Christians? Do we make commitments? Do we resolve to do, listen, 2000, as Pastor just said, 2019 is done. There isn't anything we can do to change one thing that happened in 2019. But we can certainly make a decision to determine what happens in 2020. Maybe we did have some defeats, and I'm sure we all did in 2019. That doesn't have to continue in 2020. Um, I think oftentimes, and, and I know that you know New Year's resolutions you know, oftentimes are not made in light of God or the Word of God, but I think they should be. I think to have a commitment to set a goal for ourselves, I think is important. We need to set a vision of what we want to accomplish for the Lord and what we want the Lord to accomplish in our lives in 2020. And I think it starts with making that decision to do that. The Bible says in Psalm 90 and verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, our days are numbered. And quickly, it seems as we get older, the days seem to move a little bit quicker. But that doesn't mean that we just throw in the towel and say, well, I only have X number of days left, or this short amount of time, there's really not much left for me to do. And when I, you know, when I, when I hear that, or when I even think that, I remind myself of that thief on the cross. You say, well, what did he accomplish? You know, He was basically minutes, if you would, if you will, from eternity. You say what impact did he have? What did he do with a short amount of time? We're still talking about him today. And the testimony of what God and what Christ did in that man. Don't ever sell yourself short as to what God can accomplish in whatever time we have left. I think oftentimes we we view Christianity in light of a lot of doing. Christianity, I'm afraid, has become very duty-oriented. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we know that to obey is better than sacrifice. And so, why do I say that? Because I think we need to make a new commitment. One of the things that is lacking in Christian churches today is a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one thing to talk about, about the Lord. And it's another thing to live for the Lord. They're very, very different. Now, listen, we are commanded to tell others about Jesus Christ. That's talking. But I think we have become, and listen, I grew up in a church that was all about the doing. And never, ever once was I told how to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's all about the doing, and there is no relationship, and I'm talking about salvation, but I'm also talking about beyond that. If there is no relationship that is motivating us to serve the Lord, to live for Jesus Christ, then all we're doing is the doing part of it, we're missing out. We're missing the goal. We're missing what God has for us. The Christian life shouldn't be a burdensome life. You know, when, when, when our focus is on, on, on having a duty, well, I have to go to church. No, 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 no. It's a blessing to be in church. When we start to live with the idea that I have to, instead of I have the privilege to, it starts to become a burdensome life. But in Colossians 3.23, the Bible tells us, that whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So God's desire for us is to live a joyful life. He wants us to live a joyful life. But if we, our focus is on the doing and not on our relationship with the Lord, we're missing out. We're missing, and then it becomes a burdensome life. Look in verse, uh, Luke chapter 14. Because, you know, when we have a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't become burdensome. It's not about the doing. It's about our walk with Him, and it's a joyful, joyful life. We're going to start reading in verse number 25. And the Bible says, and there went with I'm sorry, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the time we have to open up your word. Lord, I pray that you would use me this morning. Lord, may the words that I speak be your words and not mine. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to have a burden, a renewed commitment this year, Lord, a resolved commitment to walk with you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What are the things that keep us from having a commitment or a committed life for Jesus Christ? Well, we see some of those things right here. In verse 26, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The first thing that I see is, is our relationships. Our relationships. Now, listen, we've read this verse before. Maybe it's new to you, but either way, when when Christ speaks these words, he's not talking about that we are to actually hate our family. I love my family. I believe God desires for us to love our families, to love our children, to love our spouses. But what he's saying here is in comparison to our love for him, that's what our love for others should be. Christ needs to be first. He needs to be the center of all of our love. Well, how do I know this? Look at the verse, what he says. He says his children and brethren and sisters, and here it is, and yea, his own life also. So it's talking about every relationship, even how we view ourselves. In relationship to our love for Christ, we're to even hate our own life in comparison to that. David Guzik put it this way. I like this quote. The greatest danger of idolatry comes not from what is bad, but from what is good. Such as love and family relationships. Let me stop for a second. Notice he's not saying the family relationships are bad. He's saying they're good. He said, but the greatest danger of idolatry comes not from what is bad, but from what is good. Then he goes on to say, the greatest threat to the best often comes from second best And it's those things that we have elevated, you know, things that are important in our life. You know, family is important in our life. Other things are important in our life. But what ministry, think about ministry. Ministry, God desires for us to be involved and be a minister to others to reach the world. But when that becomes the most important thing in our lives, we've lost our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's no longer first. You say, well, you say ministry is bad? No, I'm not. Ministry is important. But when we elevate the doing of ministry above our relationship with Jesus Christ, things are not the way they should be. Look at verse 27 of Luke 14. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Relationships are a hindrance. Sacrifice is a hindrance. You know, it's it's one thing to say that we want to do something. It's another thing to make the sacrifice to do those things. What kind of things do we need to sacrifice? Our pride? <laughs> Our will. I think that's a really, really difficult one for many of us. Because all of us have plans. We all have plans of what we want to do. When we, Listen, we may have already made plans for what we want 2020 to be. But have those plans been lifted up in prayer to the Lord? Because guess what? Our plans aren't necessarily always his plan. And if we don't filter them, and if we don't lift them up in prayer to God, then they are our plans and not his ways. You know, when it talks about taking up the cross and doth not bear his cross, understand that when someone took the cross, there was no turning back. There was no turning back. We sing that chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus No turning back, no turning back. The cross meant that death was imminent. And listen, when we bear our cross, when we take up the cross, what are we saying? That means we're dying to self and living for him. That's a sacrifice. But listen, if we're not willing to make that sacrifice, it can become a hindrance in our living a resolved commitment to the Lord. Look at verse number... Uh, 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's things, money, possessions, jobs, fame, all those things. If, listen, if we're not willing to give it up, listen, the Lord's not going to take it all, but we need to be willing to give it all. We think that if we give our life to the Lord, that it's a life of misery. It isn't. It's a blessed life. I'm going to look at that in a few minutes. But we need to be willing to surrender it all to the Lord. So let's look at a few of these things this morning in, in relationship to having a resolved commitment for this new year. Because, listen, God wants us to be committed in a lot of different areas. Number one, we need to be resolved to come to Jesus. And what do I mean by that? It means we need to follow. We need to follow. Letter A for salvation. Listen, the first and most important thing, first, listen, the greatest decision you can make for 2020, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, is to make that decision. Is to make that decision. In Luke 14, in verse 16, it says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bitten, come for all things are now ready and they all with one consent began to make excuse the first said unto him i have bought a piece of ground and i must needs go and see it i pray thee have me excused and another said i have bought five yoke of oxen and i go to prove them i pray thee have me excused and another said i have married a wife and therefore i cannot come the excuses now listen if we've ever invited people to church to something that's going on at church whether it be a christmas cantata. Uh, an Easter program. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, yeah, or we get all kinds of excuses and reasons. Now listen, the Lord is giving you an invitation. Just like the Lord gave all of us that have trusted him as Savior an invitation. We had a choice to accept the invitation or reject it. We had a choice to receive the Savior or reject him. It's interesting that the excuses that are, laid, that are made here, one of them said, I've bought a parcel of ground, I must need go and see it. Who buys a piece of land and doesn't even see it? The next one says, I have bought five yoke of oxen, I need to go prove them. Who buys five yoke of oxen without having proven them first? The last one says, I have married a wife. He's blaming his wife. That's a dangerous place to go, by the way. But excuses were made for salvation. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. Matthew 1 21, He shall save His people from their sins. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And He's sending out an invitation. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 21. The Bible says, Look unto me and be ye saved. Let me say that again. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There is no other way of salvation. There is no money that you can pay to earn your way to heaven. There is no works that you can do to earn your way to heaven. There is no fame, fortune, prominence, none of it. There is one way to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we need to make a commitment. Maybe you've heard this before. You've been here before. You've come to church every week, but maybe you've never made the decision to come to Jesus for salvation. Don't let another minute go by. At the end of the service, we're going to give an invitation. Just like Jesus gave an invitation. Don't make an excuse. Come to him. Listen, we could take testimony of everyone that's come to Christ, and they will testify of how their life was never the same. Our lives are never the same. Not only does he change us positionally from lost and on our way to hell to saved and assured of a home in heaven with him, but our life has changed Dramatically. The kids sing though, that, that Sunday school song, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. You know, I often think, and I'm humbled by the thought of what Christ saved me from and out of. And at times, I look back in shame. But then I remember that it was his love. And you just worship him for what he did we can all testify of the same thing. We need to come to him for salvation. We make excuses. You know, well, you know, my family and this, that, and the other thing. Listen, let me tell you something. Moms, dads, brothers, sisters, grandparents. The best thing that we can do for our families is to put Jesus Christ first. We always look at it the other way. Well, you know, yeah, it's great to be in church. But, you know, it's a little crazy to be in church twice on Sundays and on Wednesdays and that. That's a little bit radical. We're not like that. I don't want my kids thinking that we're some. Listen, the greatest thing that we could do for our families is to put Jesus Christ first. Because if we don't put Jesus Christ first, listen, the things that we do in moderation, our kids will do to excess. So if we're only hit or miss going to church, what do you think is going to happen with your children? It's not going to be important. Think back to the book of Joshua and then the book of Judges. There isn't much time that elapsed between two generations, between the the time that Joshua died. Two generations later, Joshua walked and lived for the Lord. He had a close relationship with God. The next generation, they knew about God. They didn't know God personally. They knew about Him. They had heard things, but they weren't experiencing the power of God, the love of God in their lives, just what others had told them. And then the next generation after that knew not God. And at the end of the book of Judges, the book of Judges wraps up by saying, and everyone did that, which was right in his own eyes. It didn't take long. Let me challenge you this year. Have a resolved commitment to put Jesus Christ first for salvation. Let it be for sanctification. We need to go to Christ for sanctification. Oftentimes I'm afraid that we try and sanctify ourselves. I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to look good, and I got I to make sure I don't say this, and I got to make sure I don't say that. And listen, I believe there's a way that we're supposed to live for the Lord. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and in verse number 23, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Listen, our sanctification is based on us coming to Christ. But the sanctification is the Lord. We, we, we try and do everything in our own power. But he says right here, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. We need to come to Christ. It is the work of God. It is God's desire. Turn back a page, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in verse number 2, the Bible says, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. It is the will of God that we live holy, sanctified lives. Now, most of us say, well, what's the will of God? You know, I don't feel like God's working in my life. Well, that's because our sanctification isn't there. We're living apart from God Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then we come to church and we're like, man, God, speak to me. But God desires for us to live wholly separated lives all the time, not just in church. And we need to have a resolved commitment this year to say, Lord, help me. Lord, you need to do the work. I'm surrendering it to you, Lord. You need to be the one who's doing the work. It is the work of God. It is the desire of God. And sanctification leads to the work of God. In 1 Thessalonians, back another page, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. It is the will of God that we live holy, sanctified lives. And when we do, God has a plan. Listen, God has something for every single person in this church right now to do. Well, you know... I, I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm busy, I, you know, I'm older, I don't have... Listen, excuses like we, like we read earlier. God can accomplish and do anything He desires to do in any person He desires to do it. The question is, are we going to come to Jesus? Are we going to follow Jesus this year? For salvation, for sanctification, and let her see for direction. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? And he shall direct thy paths. Listen, God, if you put your trust in him, he will give you direction in your life. The Bible says in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God desires to direct our paths. He desires to show us the way he, he wants for us to go. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. How, how, how does sanctification happen? You've got to get in the Word of God. got to get under the preaching of, God, of the Word of God. We need to saturate ourselves with the Word of God because it is the Word of God that cleanses us and draws us closer to Him. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11. I love this verse. Chapter 58, verse 11. It says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Think about the three things that you see in this verse. He will guide us. That means he's going to shepherd us. He will satisfy us, and he will sustain us. If we are serving the Lord, and if we're doing what God, if we're following Jesus, not only for salvation, not only for sanctification, but for direction in our lives, he's our shepherd, he's our sustainer, he satisfies. Oftentimes we think if we follow Jesus that it's a life of misery, that we're going to be left without. Listen, where Jesus has called us, he will be there with you. But we need to make that commitment this year. We make commitments to so many other things, but we're always hesitant to commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. So come to Jesus. Number two, commit to Jesus. In other words, surrender. Surrender. Psalm 37 and in verse 5, the Bible says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way. That word commit is an interesting word. Um, I did a little bit of study on it, it it doesn't mean commit the way we think of it. Commit means you make a commitment, which it does in some sense, but the word commit actually means to roll upon. You say, well, well, that doesn't make any sense. It basically means, think about it this way, when, and again, you know, it's a word that they would have understood in the time that this was written. Think about a camel. When you're loading onto a camel, what does a camel do? The camel sits, and then they roll whatever they're putting onto the back of the camel. That is the idea behind it. It is the idea of rolling a burden onto something else. In other words, we need to cast our care upon the Lord. We need to roll our burden on the Lord. I, gotta, I read this great quote from Spurgeon, and this is really going to help a lot. L- listen to this quote. Roll the whole burden of life upon the Lord. Leave with Jehovah, not thy present fretfulness merely, but all thy cares. In fact, submit the whole tenor of thy way to Him. Cast away anxiety, resign thy will, submit thy judgment, leave all with the God of all. That is what commit thy way unto the Lord means. In other words, we need to give it all to Him. Not just our our burdens, not just our anxiety, but our will. The things we want to do. It needs to be committed unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Our judgment. Listen, when we have a decision that we need to make, or we have a situation that we don't know how to resolve, we need to go to the Word of God. That's the first place we need to go. Now, I have found myself many times trying to figure things out myself. You know what I realize? I'm not that smart. But God is. God has the answers. You say, well, yeah, but you know what? All the answers aren't in the Bible. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And, I, and I've had folks over the years tell me, well, what about this situation? Or what about that situation? Or, you know, what about uh, this or that? Listen, the answers, the, the principles that we apply to situations in our life, all are in the Word of God. question is this, are we willing to take the time to go to the Lord? Are we committed to take the time to ask God to give us that answer. One of the dangers living today is that everything has to be done like this. That's the way I live. I, I'm, I'm running three, four different things in my head at the same time. And, and sometimes you lose, sometimes it can be distracting. I was having a conversation with my wife, I think it was yesterday or for, uh, Friday, and that's exactly what happened. I was having a conversation with her, and all of a sudden, I thought of two different things that I was like, oh, man, I forgot to do this. Oh, I got to do that. And they're running in the background of my mind while my wife is talking to me. Now, if any of you have ever been in this situation, um, (laughs) there there should be, men should have like these warning lights that go off. Um, But about about 10, no, maybe a little more, probably about 20 seconds later, I realize, uh uh-oh, I haven't really been paying attention. Listen, when you're married any length of time, your spouse knows you very, very well. And she looks at me and, praise the Lord for she smiles and she says, and then she asks me a question about what she just talked to me about. And I sat there with that stupid look that we all get when we're trying to determine, can I play this off or am I busted? I was like, yeah, no. She goes, you're thinking about other things. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. But that's what happens to us. You know, we try and resolve all these problems in our mind ourselves. And God says, listen, come to me. Commit to Jesus. Surrender to him. And he will provide the answers for us. Why? Why? Letter A, because there is an urgency upon us. We need to surrender to Jesus now. We keep waiting and waiting and waiting, but listen, time is short. We read that verse in Psalm. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, the Bible says says this in verse 1, we then as workers together with him, and by the way, that's that's a good thing to know. We work with him. He works through us. Sometimes we work like, we're like these, you know, taskmasters. Man, God has so much for me to do. This is such a burden. No, we work. We are workers together with him. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. And here it is. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I succoured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In other words, listen, time is running short. Now is the time to do this. We need to stop putting off. Waiting for something better. There is nothing better than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing better than living a surrendered life to him. But we keep putting things off and, well, maybe something better will come along. Or we become dissatisfied. Well, you know, uh, I see God blessing people in their ministries. Or I see people, you know, but I I don't have a lot of people that, you know, in, in my Sunday school class or in this and that. Listen, minister to the ones you do have. We can become so consumed with other things that we forget. Listen, there's an urgency upon us. There might be someone in your class. One of the things I used to always, God always used to remind me about is, whether it's in Sunday school, whether it's in youth group, whatever it is, whether it's in chapel, in school, it doesn't matter. Always give the plan of salvation. Always talk about salvation. Why? They're in Sunday school. They're saved. You don't know that. And I've had many people who thought they were saved. I can think of three or four people who had said they were saved who came to me and said, you know what? I don't think I've ever truly did that or done that. Well, praise the Lord. Because listen, one of the ways the devil works is to convince us that we're saved by other means instead of faith. And there's a lot of people who are on their way to hell because of good intentions or because of other means. The urgency is upon us. We often live with the excitement that Christ is returning, don't we? When people say, you know, Christ is returning one day, that puts an excitement. I love singing songs about Christ returning. I love singing those hymns. You know, that's great. We often live with the excitement that Christ is returning. However, we don't always live with the urgency of the same. What do I mean by that? Listen, if we know Christ is returning and we're excited because we know that it's, it's going to be here sooner than we think, then we need to live our lives that way. We need to live our lives knowing that Jesus Christ could return any moment, and there's a lot of people out there who need to be saved. There's an urgency upon us. Let her be. We need to turn from worldliness. Since if we're going to surrender to Christ, we need to turn from worldliness. The battle is great. There, there is things everywhere you turn that is trying to rob our hearts from being surrendered and committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's the radio, whether it's TV, whether it's books, magazines, it doesn't matter, billboards, advertisements, it is everywhere. You're being swamped and flooded with worldliness everywhere you turn. You say, well, man, that makes it sound like it's impossible to live for the Lord. It's not impossible if you're fully surrendered to Him. But when we have our One eye looking at the Lord and this eye trying to keep our eye on the world, that never works. 1 John 2.15 tells us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We need to turn away from the world. What did the Apostle Paul say? Flee also youthful lusts. You know, he didn't say turn away or just, hey, back away. He said flee. Run. Get away from it. Listen, that temptation will be there. And the more you give into it, the harder it is to turn from it. The devil never throw something big in your face. It's always a little dabble here, a little dabble there, a little taste of this, a little taste of that. And the more you taste, the more you like it. And the more you like it, the more you want it. And the more you want it, the more you're entrenched in it. And the more you're entrenched in it, the more difficult it is to get out of it. You say, well, does that make it impossible? No, turn to the Lord today surrender commit to jesus and he will give you the victory listen there's been things in my life I, i've shared this with you before when i was first saved a year or two after you know one of the things that had a grip on me was music i loved music before i was saved it wasn't godly music it was horrible music but i loved it and i thought to myself i'm never going to have victory over this you know what today god's given me victory over it and he can do the same for you whatever it is that's stopping you from being committed and surrendered to jesus christ let her see set your focus on the right things. If you're going to turn from worldliness, set your focus on the right things. In Colossians chapter 3 and in verse number 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Look to heaven. Listen, the things that are down here, they're going to perish. Wood, hay, and stubble. All of it. But the things we do for Christ will last forever. And that's where we need to keep our attention focused on Him. Luke 9 62 says, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You know what we want to do? We want to get saved, and we, we have that plow. Think about this now. Hope I don't kill myself. All right. And you start pushing ahead, and you start pushing ahead. But here's what we do we turn around. Man, I missed that. Remember the Israelites? Oh, we missed the garlic and the leeks. Oh, you know what they forgot? They were slaves. But we look back, we were slaves. We were slaves to sin. But we keep looking back, and we look at it with these, you know, rose-colored glasses. Look at how good we had it. Oh, man, we had fun back then. We had friends back then. And we keep pushing the plow and looking behind us. You ever try pushing a plow straight when you're looking behind you? It's not going to happen. You look back and all of a sudden, you got this. You know what that does? It takes us off our course. And that's exactly what happens when we try and push ahead and keep looking behind us. We're all over the place. I saw a thing years ago, and people have said this, that I don't get distracted when I drive. Driving while texting or tired doesn't really affect me. And they did this, they did this study. They had this guy who was adamant about it. He was willing to do the study. And I saw they had a video for this. And he was I think it was towards the end of the day so he had been up working all day It was like six o'clock in the afternoon seven o'clock and they had him on this like kind of driving obstacle course it wasn't overly difficult but they had some you know obstacles and things like that and they wanted him to drive it and do a couple of things turn on the radio mess with the air conditioner send a couple of texts things like that and you know what happened he took out about thirty percent of the cones the guy was stunned he said he says I'm telling you I never in a million years would have imagined it. And that's how we want to live our life. We get distracted and our focus is on everything else, but it's not on Jesus Christ. We need to be committed to him and surrender to him and keep our focus on the right things. The last thing is this, work for Jesus. What is work for Jesus? That's serve him. Listen, every one of us, God has a plan for you. Every one of us. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, it doesn't matter. God has a plan for you. First, letter A, we need to be firm in our resolve. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit thy works unto the Lord. I think I jumped ahead, sorry. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Before it was commit thy way, now it says commit thy works unto the Lord. You know what's interesting about this? He says our thoughts, our plans will be established after we commit our works unto him. Sometimes we want to do it the other way. Lord, I'm going to think right, I'm going to do right, I'm going to do this, 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 this. He says, no, commit thy works. Roll thy works upon the Lord. That means the works, the physical work, but the works of our heart. And thy thoughts shall be established. Letter A, we need to be firm in our resolve to serve him. 1 Corinthians 15:58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord steadfast, unmovable. Listen, if you're going to serve the Lord, there's going to be good times. There's going to be difficult times. We can't just say, well, I'm throwing it in the towel. Listen, I, I heard a quote one time that said, Jesus didn't say the Christian life would be easy, but he said it would be possible. And we want to have the Christian life, and we want it to be easy. He never promised us that. But he said it's possible in his power and in his strength and with His direction. But we need to be firm in our resolve, steadfast, unmovable. Letter B, we need to be focused in our resolve. Romans 12, 11 says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We need to, In other words, we need to keep a godly testimony. Listen, if we're serving the Lord, we need to make sure we maintain a godly testimony. Nothing, nothing can be more of a hindrance to your service and your ministry than to have an ungodly testimony in your life. We need to have a godly testimony. We need to be committed and say, Lord, I'm going to do everything I can. If I'm a Sunday school teacher, I'm going to do everything I can to put forth the testimony that these children look at me and want to live like that because of your following Jesus Christ. Not because of how good we are, but because of how good he is. People need to see Christ in us, not the world. Let us see. we need to be fearless in our resolve. John 12, 26 says, If any man serve me let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. We need to be fearless on our resolve because we can be confident that we're not alone. You know, when you serve the Lord, people think like, oh man, you know, I know God's calling me to be a missionary, but I know I'm going to end up in a jungle somewhere living in a hut with nothing but, you know, cannibals and wild animals and I'll be dead within two weeks. Listen, we laugh, but we know that's what people—that's run, what runs through people's minds. And I know that where God calls you, he'll be there with you. Where God calls you, he will provide for you. Where God calls you, he will protect you and provide and sustain and keep you. But we live in this fear that God calls us and he's sending us out into the worst possible situation ever. And that's not true. We need to be fearless in our resolve. And finally, we need to be flourishing in our resolve. What do I mean? Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You know, when you serve the Lord, there's blessings. There's abundant blessings. What kind of blessings? Am I going to be rich? Maybe. Maybe not. But there are blessings you can't put a value on. There are blessings you can't put a dollar amount on. When you get an opportunity to lead someone to the Lord, how do you put a value on that? You can't. And so God blesses us as we serve him. Here's a couple of things to leave you with. Ask yourself this. What are you most passionate about? What is it that you're most passionate about? Think about how, with that passion that you have towards whatever that thing is, how it makes you... Um, handle that thing. For example, if you're passionate about a sports team, how, how passionate? You, you dress like the team. You get the team paraphernalia. You, you watch all the team, You know everything there is to know about the team. Whatever it is in your life that you're really passionate about, think about how, how pleased the Lord would be with us if we took that same passion and put it towards Him. That we would know everything there is to know. That we would be reading the Word of God all the time. That we would be putting on the Lord Jesus Christ in all we do. Now get a vision for 2020. Set yourself, set a goal for yourself. You know what, I haven't been as committed as I should be. But you know what, it's a new day. It's a new day. We could start today to say, you know what, I'm setting my mind to do this. And then decide, commit, commit and follow through on it. Make a decision, commit to that decision, and then follow through, act upon it. Oftentimes we decide, we commit, and then, uh, you know, follow through. Listen, God God has much for us to do this year, for each and every one of us here at Ocean County Baptist Church and us as individuals. Don't sell yourself short. If you are saved this morning, God has a great plan for you. If you're not, the first thing God wants is for you to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In a minute, we're going to have an invitation. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, please come talk to me. I would love nothing more than to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Church, if you are saved, ask yourself, what's stopping me from being committed? Get a vision for 2020, and then follow through and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, thank you for new opportunities. Lord, for a new year that we can have a new and resolved commitment to you, that we can live for you, surrender to you, following you, serving you. Lord, I know you have a great plan for each and every one of us and Lord, my desire and my prayer is that each and every one of us would see what that plan is and follow through and watch as you work in each of our lives. And Lord, as you bless us and as you empower us, Lord, that we would see the hand of God working in each of our lives and in our church. Lord, if someone here doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that it would come for salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.